0: Impact of Influence, The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend. As always, grateful you're spending time with us, and what a day it was in the Alec Murdoch double murder trial. I am Matt Harris. Seton Tucker is here. We've been doing the Impact of Influence podcast since just a few days after the murders we got started in june of 2021 and we're grateful that you've been hanging with us and we're going to get to all of the elec murdoch testimony in a little bit with also the help of our legal analyst john snyder in just a bit we also want to tell you that you can go to murdochpodcast.com murdoch podcast on facebook and matt harris podcast at gmail.com. Now. In Walterboro, Seton Tucker. Hello, Seton.
1: Good mor, well, not good morning. Good afternoon. I don't even know if it's morning or night at this point.
0: I'm with you. It's a, it's and it's a very long day for everyone because we are. And I was comfortable on my couch watching the testimony, so I can imagine I had to seem a lot longer to the people in the courtroom. But I want to start with this, uh, Seton. The general vibe as you went into. The Walterboro County Courthouse today, was there a, kind of an energy knowing that Alec was going to be on the stand?
1: Well, yes, we had actually got the heads up from someone this morning that it was definitely going to happen. And our good friends, Riley Benson and Andrew Davis, actually, their scoop was right that that it definitely was going to happen. So the media was a buzz. Everyone was like, oh, my gosh, this is really happening. This is really happening. We had heard possibly Eddie Smith, which that did not happen. But everyone was very excited. The lines were long outside of the courthouse. And there there definitely was an energy. And when the jury came in and they said they are calling Alec Murdoch to the sand, I was looking at them, and at least two juror members, their mouths just dropped open in surprise.
0: Really? Nice. Which means that they have not been digging deep into media which is they were ordered not to do which is good now uh before ella came up and we'll get i'll I'll break it a little more down with john snyder a little bit but the defense had some questions about bringing alex up and i want to save that for a second until john gets here but let's hear a segment
2: where judge newman is talking to alex if you decide not to testify. I will instruct the jurors that they cannot give the fact that you did not testify any consideration whatsoever and that there is to be absolutely no prejudice to you because you did not testify. It is left entirely up to you whether or not you testify. You may talk with your attorneys, Mr. Harpootlian, Mr. Griffin. Mr. Barber, Ms. Fox, family, friends, or anyone else. But the final decision will be left entirely up to you. Do you understand what I've explained?
3: Yes, sir, I do. Do
2: you have any questions whatsoever as to what I've explained?
3: No, sir. Thank you.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, And you've talked with your lawyers about whether or not you've testified, Mr. Harputvin, just suggested advice he's given to you. The court has no comment whatsoever as to whether you should or should not testify. Uh, But do, do you wish to confer with lawyers some more about whether or not you should testify?
3: No, sir. I don't need to talk to them anymore.
2: Have you made a decision as to whether you're going to testify?
3: Yes, sir. All
2: right. And what is your decision?
3: I am going to testify. I want to testify. All right. Very
2: well. Thank you.
0: Okay. So, Seton, one of the things I want to ask you is, in the opening and we'll get more from Snyder in a minute but in the opening did you feel like Dick Carpulean was saying that he tried to talk Alec out of testifying or into testifying
1: I think Dick Carpulean may have been leaving that door open saying possibly that he was advising against it but I don't know if that's the truth or not or maybe that was the strategy that he wanted everyone to think
0: That's what I took away as well i wasn't sure how sincere his statement was and I, I saw an interview with our uh friend joe mccullough today and he was and he's dick harperian's buddy and he was an, an attorney and he was saying that he wasn't sure but he probably does know whether uh dick and jim wanted like to testify or not so uh, everybody gets excited you mentioned jury coming in they are a couple of them are like, whoa, what's the deal here? Let's uh, just give you a little sound bite about when Alec actually does take the stand. In the car, your next witness.
4: Thank you, Your Honor. The defendant, Richard Alexander Murdoch, wishes to take the stand.
3: I'm Alec Murdoch, M-U-R-D-A-U-G-H. Good morning.
0: And there it was. I, I wanted, this is probably a good place to say, this is going to be weird to a lot of you who have been with us this entire time, but I've got at least a dozen emails and comments about A L E X M U R D A U G H being Alec instead of Alex and Murdoch instead of Murdoch. And it became kind of clear today because he spelled the name and said the name. But people who haven't been here the whole time uh, were a bit confused. They kept saying, why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? They brought it up on Court TV the other night when I was on. They asked me about it. Um, and, and Seaton, we kind of, at the beginning, struggled of how we should say it. Should we say Alex so people will know that we're talking about Alex or talk about it in the way they talk about it in the Low Country, And and talk speak to why we settled on going with the Alec Murdoch.
1: Well, we actually brought a linguist on to explain it, but that's how he said it. So that's what we went with, and that's how the people in the area say it. So we just, that's why we did it.
0: Yeah, and we got some grief if we didn't go with the Alec Murdoch early on, because especially early on, it was a lot of uh, people from South Carolina and such looking on, but then it really blew up big around uh, Labor Day. So uh, talk to me your thoughts about how the defense started the testimony of Alec Murdoch.
1: They just wanted to go in big. They wanted to just ask the question, did you shoot Maggie and Paul? Let's let's just put it out there. That's the elephant in the room.
0: Let's uh, let's hear that clip. Mr. Murdoch,
4: on June 7th, 2021, did you take this gun or any gun like it and shoot your son Paul in the chest in the feed room at your property off Moselle Road?
3: No, I did not.
4: Mr. Murder, did you take this gun or any gun like it and blow your son's brains out on June 7th or any day or any
3: time? No, I did not.
4: Mr. Murdy, did you take a 300 blackout such as this and fire it into your wife Maggie's? leg, torso, or any part of her body? No, I did not. Did you shoot a 300 blackout into her head, causing her death?
3: Mr. Griffin, I didn't shoot my wife or my son any time. Ever. Wow. Uh, Seton,
0: did you see reactions from jurors?
1: Yes and no. So... There seemed to be a few people who were clearly not buying any of this. They were looking at them like, really? I'm not sure. There are also a portion of the jurors who who, we call them stone-faced. They have zero reactions to anything. You just don't know what they're thinking. And then I would say at least two two or three were really listening as if they were trying to make up their mind.
0: Okay. I mean, of course we're reading into people just by their facial expressions, but that's what you have to do in this case.
1: Yeah. The- and I would just say they were all at this point they're like this is what we're here for. We're here we're here to hear from Alec and they were really paying attention whether they believed it or not again. We are just looking at them and maybe they might have just a scally face as I've been accused of having. I don't know. <laughs>
0: yes you have somebody wrote it about your face in the background anyway um we both agree and we talked independently of each other and then independently of me seeing some people uh the talking heads on tv about how it was a great way to start the defense was they didn't mess around they went right into it with Alec. Like, did you murder him you're a criminal but you're a drug addict all this stuff uh and then they started breaking out specifics but i think The only reason that Alec had to testify was because of the lies he told about not being at the kennels, yet he's on the 844 video. Do you agree with that, Steve?
1: Absolutely. That seems to be the most damning piece of evidence that they have against Alec, and I think that's why he took the stand. He needed to explain to the jurors why he was untruthful with so many people about being at the kennels at 844.
0: Play a clip, please.
4: Mr. Murdoch, is that you on the kennel video at 844 p.m. on June 7th, the night Maggie and Paul were murdered? It is. Were you, in fact, at the kennels at 844 p.m. on the night Maggie and Paul were murdered? I was. Did you lie to Sled Agent Owen and Deputy Laura Rutland on the night of June 7th? and told them that you stayed at the house after dinner?
3: I did lie to them.
4: Did you lie to Agent Owen and Agent Croft on the follow-up interview on June 10th that the last time you saw Maggie and Paul was at dinner?
3: I did lie to them.
4: And in the interview of August 11th, did you tell Agent Owen and Agent Croft, did you lie to them by telling them that you were not down at the kennels On that night? Yes. Alec, why did you lie to Agent Owen, Agent Croft, and Deputy Rutland about the last time you saw Maggie and Paul?
3: As my addiction evolved over time, I would get in these situations or circumstances where I would get paranoid thinking uh, and it, it could be anything that, that triggered it. It might be a look somebody gave me. It might be a reaction somebody had to something I did. Um, it might be a policeman following me in, in a car. Um, that night, June 7th, after finding Mags and Paul. Paul. Don't talk to anybody without Danny with you. All my partners were just repeatedly telling me that. So, Deaton,
0: your response, I mean, there was more after that, but your, your thoughts on it.
1: Okay, first we need to talk about Mags and Paw. I'm not really sure. We have not really heard Paul referred to as Paw before, and I don't know how that was received. It seemed to me a little bit disingenuous. What did you think?
0: I agree. In fact, I texted a buddy of mine during it, and I said, My first question on cross is going to be Did you always call him Papa? And sure enough, they did bring it up, and we may get to that later. But the Papas seemed very uh, like a, a useful way to manipulate for feelings and such. I think it was a bad call for him to keep going Papa.
1: I did too. But again, if if that's how we refer to him and it it doesn't so much matter what we think really they have to be playing to the jury and maybe they resonated with that for some reason or another. But the other thing that stuck out to me is he is immediately admitting to this drug abuse and having paranoia.
0: Seton, I am hundred percent with you. I think paranoid was a mistake to use that word. He could have been said something like uh, it should have been his excuse should have been. I'm trying to free a possible murderer, but it would have been I was concerned that the focus be only on me if I told you that. And then you might not continue to look for who the real killer was or whatever we wanted to work. But the paranoid and saying that it made me act weird because of the drugs and the paranoia then who, there's, there could be a leap from the juror to say he was so paranoid that he thought Paul was going to say something or Maggie was going to say something, and he killed him. Right, Seton?
1: It's possible. You know, they asked more questions about this, and he said, why did you continue to lie about this? And he says he's in this kind of tangled web of lies. Uh, you know, everyone, I guess, in their lives, most people have told an untruth, and they get in this pattern. And then they don't know how to tell the truth after they've got gotten this far in. You know, it's it, it's complicated.
0: It is. It's and it's impossible to read what a juror might think if they're going to accept that excuse for why he lied or reason why he lied. And he expanded on that a little more by bringing up the boat crash. Right, Seton?
1: He does talk about the scrutiny he was under in the aftermath of the boating accident, claiming that he was trying to manipulate the situation.
0: I, I agree. I think that that was a basis of he shouldn't use the word paranoid. He should have was much more like I know that law enforcement was looking at me for various reasons. And that's why I lied. That that would have been a better word than using the word uh, paranoid. Now. What would you like to move to next? I'll have your choice here on this testimony. While the defense is grilling him, for lack of a better term, what would you like to talk to you next? How about the uh,
1: close? Yep, perfect, because I think this was a big takeaway from the testimony today as well.
0: Okay, uh, we've got a clip where Alec is talking about the close. Again, remember, just to remind you, uh, the SLED and Colleton County Sheriff's at the crime scene Alex wearing a white t-shirt shorts, they take those. Later on, a Snapchat video comes out that Paul took on June 7th, about an hour before the murders, maybe a little more than an hour, where Alex wearing a blue sort of dress shirt and khaki pants. So let's play some of the testimony now.
4: By the conclusion of the meeting, did they make it known to you that, that you were suspect?
3: Oh, there's no question about that. Absolutely. Now, he used a lot of... I mean, you hear it, the talk about how I'm in this circle and he can't get me out and this and that, but there's no doubt in my mind. There was no question in my mind what was going on.
4: And the um, and during that meeting, did they show you uh, the Snapchat, Snapchat video of... You uh, trying to stand up the fruit tree? Yes. And were you questioned about what clothing you were
5: wearing?
3: And I can't remember this. I can't remember if he showed me the whole video or he showed me a picture of it. Um, but I was definitely showed that information. I was definitely shown those clothes in that meeting on August the 11th.
4: And, and what clothes were you wearing? The
3: same ones you see in...
4: Okay. And, and do, you, do you remember what kind of pants?
3: It was khaki pants.
4: And what kind of shirt?
3: It's a, a button-down, short-sleeve button-down. I call it a dress shirt, but short-sleeve button-down dress shirt.
4: Like, like shirt you got there, but just short. Just sleeve. like this,
3: but short-sleeve, and it was colored.
4: And it was, what color was it?
3: Blue, blue with some blue stripes.
4: And were you questioned about when you changed out of those clothes? I was. And um, did you have a follow-up? Did you have a conversation after that meeting was led with Blanca about what you were wearing that day?
3: Absolutely.
4: And what was the purpose of the conversation with Blanca?
3: Well, they made an issue about that in that meeting, and I asked Blanca about those clothes that, that I had on earlier that day.
4: Do you ask her specifically
3: about the blue shirt? I asked her specifically about all the clothes. Okay. What I asked Blanca about specifically was, did she remember getting my clothes after she came back, um, when she she came back to Moselle, did she remember getting my clothes? Is specifically what I asked her.
4: I see. And, And why were you asking her those questions?
3: Because on August the 11th, they had made an issue about me wearing, still wearing those clothes, not having changed clothes when I was in that Snapchat video. So that's why I went to Blanca.
4: Did they ever ask you on August the 11th whether, um, I mean, they ask you for those clothes? Can you produce the clothes? Did they ask you that?
3: No, they didn't.
4: Have they ever asked you for those clothes?
3: no as far as my understanding goes my clothes were never an issue in this case until y'all figured out as my lawyers figured out that there was no blood spatter on me sir
5: is that objection
2: your honor 401
5: 402 and beyond
4: uh, in speculation mr griffin it's a matter of public record it's a matter of public record. What is um, the issues with the shirt and the blood test? It's a matter of public record. Filed in this case, yes. Sir.
2: The objection's overruled.
3: I'm well aware that my clothes never became an issue in this case until my lawyers proved that this blood spatter that they said I had on my shirt from my wife and my son was a lie. And that there was no blood on my shirt. And once they filed the documents and they proved that that was a lie, all of a sudden the clothes I was wearing back on that day became an issue.
0: All right. So, Seton, your takeaway from that and any reactions you may have seen in the courtroom.
1: To me, the clothing that Alec was wearing in that Snapchat video where he's checking on the trees was probably the second most important piece of evidence that the state had against Alec, and I think this is a problem. They didn't ever ask him for the clothes. I think we should bring in John and see what he has to say about this.
0: <laughs> well, before we get to on that particular topic, uh, John Snyder joins us, and we're doing this thing, you know, that the... the Trial ended or the, for the day and Seton had to get back to her place. And I've got court TV coming up. So we're kind of, uh, you know, just flying here. And uh, so John Snyder, former district attorney, uh, former defense attorney. So he's been on both sides. He's tried a murder case. He's defended murder cases. Um, let me kind of, because we're almost done the whole defense situation. So we're going to backtrack a little bit for everybody. And give me just a, a thumbnail. What Harputlian wanted this morning from the judge and why it was rejected? Just a, a quickie of what they were looking for.
6: So when, when you are doing presenting your evidence, you want to you be surgical and you only want to touch the organs that you need removed or operated on. You don't want to touch everything else. And so D- Dick was trying to limit what all could be. Brought out later on, and so that's that is that is a standard renewed objection, and you know a, a kind of a standard defense lawyer who who is now calling their witness to the trial procedure. Oh, that's standard. I didn't know that. Okay. But,
0: well, you,
6: you, want, start- you, want, you want you want them to only you know you you want to control as much of the environment as you can. Because it's literally like you you've walked into a building with TNT in your hand and and a lit match and you're like okay I'm gonna try to keep this stick of dynamite unlit as long as possible. Okay,
0: so I want to uh, we just played the, the close uh, testimony and this has been a, the common theme that sleds a mess, sleds messed up, sleds messed up, sleds messed up, uh, and now it is. Well, SLED never asked me for the clothes. They thought I was wearing these clothes, but when the evidence didn't support it, they wanted to get other clothes, but it's still, of majority, I'm going, well, something to explain whatever happened to the clothes. How do you think this that testimony could be received?
6: Well, the defense's goal is to create reasonable doubt. And so if, if the alleged murderer is on the witness stand saying, I never once, one time ever, was asked to produce the clothing that they allege I was wearing at the time of the murder. I think that's a fair question and a fair way for the defense to say, folks, there may be a lot of evidence, but they never once asked the guy what he was wearing or where the clothes went that he didn't have on when when they saw him later. And so th- from a defense standpoint, you're gonna say, Look, you guys are accusing this man of murder, you're showing the jury pictures of him wearing a particular outfit, you cast a particular outfit that has no blood on it, and you never asked him for the clothes that he was supposed to be wearing at the time this happened. What and
1: maybe and maybe you didn't you told the grand jury that the shirt he was wearing had blood spatter on it, which doesn't appear that it did have blood spatter on it,
6: and and, and w- without commenting in any way about what actually happened, that is a fair uh, argument for the defense to make, and they're raising the issue of the state's got to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt.
0: Okay, well here's the thing, John. Too John, the thing is, you
6: know, obviously you
0: don't have to have motive for the prosecution, but it sure as hell help, help, helps. You don't have to, you know, show evidence you didn't do it, but it sure as hell helps, right? So, yeah, you don't have to produce those clothes, but don't you think there's anybody on that jury going, well, if you didn't do it, just bring out your, your damn shoes and your shirt and show people.
6: But so that, you know, it's kind of one of these Perry Mason moments. If, if the defense lawyer, said, can you bring in the clothes that he was wearing that day, and the juror's head all turned to the back door of the courtroom, <laughs> that's reasonable doubt. And you'll probably hear that argument be made by the defense counsel.
0: I think you will. I think there's going to be a surprise on, on, on when it comes to that. Seton, what would you uh, either ask John or what else you heard, and we'll just, we'll just deal with the defense's side of Alex's testimony right now. Anything else about Alec's testimony or any questions for John?
1: Saw so this Kennel video, which seems to be the strongest piece of evidence that the state has against Alec. And he basically fessed up that he lied multiple times. I mean, obviously there's a credibility issue with his testimony because he's 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 admitting to this lying. What are your thoughts from a legal standpoint?
6: So so the defense lawyer. You know the defense knows that he's hemmed in, so there's no way in this world you can put him on the stand and he can be like, "That wasn't my voice." right? Like so, so does he establish credibility by coming to the stand to say, "I lied." Maybe that may be the that may be the credibility um uh, you know, if, if his credibility, a Jenga power, opening up with, I lied about that, may be the thing that, that ends up leading to his conviction. But it, it is it is the defense navigating around the evidence that's been entered in to give an explanation. And so, what you're going to hear, I think, on Cross, you know, heavily and on the state's closing because the state will now argue last they they put on evidence the, the defense has put on evidence so the state gets to gets to have the last word in this case and you're going to hear you know well he he had how do, how do we know when Alec Murdoch is telling the truth yeah do we how do we know we we don't ever know and, that, and that'll be probably kind of the closing message from the, the state, which is, here's what we do know. We do know when he was asked about whether he was there, he was there. And that's wh- that's where these, these timelines that uh, a lot of our listeners and a lot of you know experts on this case have posted on social media, these things are, are helpful, and the state will be using that exact type of argument in their closing to say there's no way in the world it was anyone but him. And he, you know, you're going to hear now you're going to hear all kinds of testimony about what, a, what a liar he is on rebuttal by the, by the state okay. Excuse me.
1: Do you think that Alec Murdoch had to get on the stand to try to make sense to the jurors of why he lied so many times about this video?
6: I think it's a calculated move. I think at the end of the day your client gets to make those decisions. An attorney's job is to look at his client or her client and say, "Here's what I think, but you make that decision." And you and and I guarantee you that both of those lawyers got wrote wrote him a letter or a contract that said, you understand the following if you testify. Do you do you agree to this so that they are not later uh, sued or have some case brought against them for ineffective assistance of counsel by calling him to the stand?
0: Okay, let's move to uh, now Creighton Waters gets up, and one of the first things he starts with is, well, Alec, you've tried cases and even though it was for personal injury it's been about you know gps stuff you know phone stuff you know all that stuff which was you know it really was just laying the groundwork to say alec knows all this stuff he could have gamed the system so that is where he went and then he went on this whole thing about alec murdoch and these badges see you want to talk about that a bit yeah
1: the so he alec murdoch as his job as a volunteer solicitor, had a badge. He also, I think, had his grandfather's badge. And it appears as if maybe he used these badges. Sometimes he would keep it on his dashboard to gain favor with law enforcement if possibly he was pulled over, um, that sort of situation. So this did come into play from Creighton Waters. And at first, I was really kind of confused about where he was going with this. But then it, it It did seem to make more sense as he went forward with his line of questioning.
0: To me, it didn't. To me, I feel a lot of people in a position, like I've known people who have had these little cards that you get that says my uncle's a state trooper or something, you know, and they lay it out there or whatever. Uh,
1: Bumper sticker. People put bumper stickers on their the back of their vehicle because they think, well, if I have a state trooper bumper sticker on there, maybe if I get pulled over, they'll be nicer to me.
0: No, it did go on too long. I mean, I think you could be, now. Now, I had heard that maybe what he's trying to say is look at this guy, the privilege that he had, the, the influence he had, it was all going to go down the drain if he gets busted. So he's going to lose. The, he enjoyed being a powerful player. And that's another reason for the murders. I think it's a, a bit of a leap for me. I thought it was a long
6: road to nowhere.
0: They showed that in the, the hospital scene after the beach accident or the beach crash that Alec had the badge showing out his pocket.
1: Yeah. Okay. So where I am sitting, I am in the last row of media. So I have all the people in the courthouse behind me. And we have to keep in mind that the Netflix special came out yesterday. Which I have not had a chance to watch yet, but really talks goes into this boating accident pretty heavily. So when they put up this image of Ellick with this badge sticking out of the pocket from the hospital security camera, there was a ooh and aah from the people sitting in, in the gallery.
0: Well, so I see what you're saying, because that's what I've heard. I haven't had time either because we've been watching all this and doing our jobs um, that it's very boat heavy and makes. Uh, and I'm not saying when I say makes, I don't mean it's not true, but it's a presentation of the, the the Murdoch clan being kind of nefarious and evil and trying to change the story. And so it leads right into that. But That doesn't mean the jury saw that documentary. So uh, but but to me, it was a big bag of nothing maybe i'm just crazy snyder did you see that part of it and my question to you is even a bigger general question about when you have somebody on the stand is do you have to weigh how long you're going on about something before it's like okay i i'm losing everybody i'm becoming annoying
6: now well yeah i mean remember there's a there's an element of theater involved in trial and so you've got to keep your audience engaged, whether that's a judge, whether that's the jury. But i i will I will kind of argue with both of you. I think this is Waters expertly playing the befuddling, kind of bumbling. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. You're going to see that badge again, and that badge. Yeah, I, these boys are all playing. For closing argument and everything that you see over the next few days is them lining up little bits and pieces that they're going to put into evidence and little bits and pieces they're going to argue. And so the theme of abuse of authority is a, is an obvious theme that waters is going to use. And so while it may seem kind of silly that he's asking about, you know, What'd you do with that badge? Oh, you kept it on your dashboard. Everybody knew you were a big man. You're a big man, weren't you? Like I was in a deposition one time, and I got this guy just rolling, uh, telling me how important he was. And I and yeah, you know, most of the deposition, he told me he had no input or control over what happened. And I I somehow asked him the right questions, and and I was like, "You're the big Kahuna, aren't you? He's like, "I am the big Kahuna." And I was like, and you knew everything that's happening to this project, didn't you? And he's like, I did. And I was like, no further questions. And so, you know, what what seems to the layman pointless is is all done with with intentionality by by both the, the prosecution and the defense.
0: So in a case like this, in a situation like this with a badge and they talk about he put lights on his car to appear as if he was some sort of special law enforcement person. A lot of it could be just getting the jury not to like a guy, right?
6: It's just to show that he likes to behave. He he likes the title and and investitures of one thing, and then acts in a completely different way. See.
1: So one thing that I did notice that I think was resonating with the jurors is that he remained calm throughout this cross examination. He never let it get him flustered. And I, I I personally thought that that was effective for him.
6: Do you think something about that, John? Yeah. I mean, again, this guy, he is, he is fighting for his life theoretically because a lot, you know, what, what, what these guys are doing and they'll do more of it is they're going to, they're going to prove all of the, elements they need for their financial crimes through his testimony in this case yeah. so right. while he may not go to prison for murder he he's definitely going on the financial crimes by the time they're done asking all their questions
0: and before we get to the financial crimes i just want to mention something kind of interesting he talked about getting alec talked about getting police lights on his vehicle and asking the sheriffs in the area and one of them was the college and county sheriff andy strickland who she, he considered a friend and the jury didn't hear this but Andy Strickland is accused of beating his girlfriend, ordering deputies to work on his properties. He resigned and he's permanently uh, banned from working any kind of law enforcement and uh, has to go into substance abuse and mental health treatment because uh, allegedly he was doing the drug thing. So maybe that was the bonding that those two had. But let's go into the. Financials. Do you want to have a comment before we play one of these clips, uh, Seton?
1: Well, uh, it, we're just going to hear a lot about the financial crimes. It just seemed to go on and on and on. I did see a lot of jurors scratching their heads. They're like, we've, seen, we've heard this all before.
0: So let's play one of the clips near the end of Creighton Waters' cross of Alec Murdoch.
5: So you would have sat down with Dion Martin and gone over this the- document with him and convinced him that there was nothing to miss here?
3: You know, again, I don't know if I went over the document with him or not, but I certainly misled Dion Martin. I certainly mm-hmm. lied to Dion Martin. I certainly took money from Dion Martin that did not belong to me, mm-hmm. and I shouldn't have done it.
5: You don't specifically remember talking to Dion. There was nothing in you that causes you to remember talking with Dion, sitting there with this document in front of him, as you looked him in the eye, knowing that you were lying to him the whole time, you don't even remember that?
3: Nothing in you that causes you to remember that.: To specifically remember, I'm not sure that I did sit down with Dion Martin. Okay. Um, but I certainly, Mr. Waters, I misled Dion Martin. I lied to Dion Martin. I took Dion Martin's money. When I shouldn't have. Well, let
5: me ask you this. Of all the people on here, all these exhibits, do you have any independent recollection of a time where you sat down and looked that person in the eye and you were lying to them and, and convincing them that everything was okay while you stole their money? Do you remember it, even one of them? I'm sure I did. Okay, well, tell us about one. I mean, you have to show me, you have to give me... I'm asking you if you remember one time where you're sitting there in your heart, looking somebody in the eye, knowing you're stealing from them, and you remember it.
3: I remember stealing from people, I remember lying to people, and I remember misleading people. For me to tell you that I sat down with each one of these people... um, I'm asking you
5: to tell me about just one conversation
3: one time where you
5: recall looking somebody in the eye and convincing them with your lies that nothing was amiss. One
3: conversation. There were plenty of conversations where I looked people in the eye and I lied to them. Mm-hmm. There were plenty of times where I took money that I shouldn't have taken. There were plenty of times where I stole money for me to sit and tell you a specific time that I sat down with a specific document and what exactly was said if you ask me questions but I, I can't I can't remember sitting down with Dion on a they certainly remember it don't they mr. Murdoch I don't know if they do or not but I would assume so
5: But you can't tell us one time where it just sticks out of your memory where you're like I'm pulling a fast one right now
3: oh no or anything whatever reaction you had you oh can't no remember a single one no sir that's not correct I can remember a lot of times where I lied to my clients I misled my clients. And I stole money from my clients in conversations. Mm -hmm. But for me to sit and tell you that I had a conversation about this particular document, Mm -hmm. I don't dispute it.
5: I know you don't dispute it, Mr. Murray. You've said that a hundred times, haven't you? But you can't recall for this jury, one of these people looking them in the eye while you lied to them. You can't recall a single one. I've asked you this three times now. Oh, I promise Ask an you. Answer.
4: John honor, asked and answered three times.
5: <laughs> oh, here, here. Wow. here. Here you go, Miss, Mr. Waters. I mean, the point's made, isn't it, Mr. Murdoch?
1: Well, so we've heard, I like say multiple times this afternoon that he admits to these financial crimes. Obviously, these probably have other legal, legal implications for him. But, John, let's get your thoughts.
6: Well, my my guess is they didn't think he'd sit there and admit to it the way he's admitting to it. And so Waters is, I, I won't say unprepared, but he's trying, to, like, he, he's got the guy saying, I lied. I lied to my clients. I, I mean, he, he says, I stole money from them and I. I I should never have done that. I was wrong. okay, So you have you have then made your impression. So the kind of righteous indignation of his questioning is underbind by today's Alec being candid and just saying, man, i I totally did. I don't I may not remember the day or the specific conversation. But I definitely did it. I mean, that's a guy that's you know, again, I know the the, the the interverse the the interwebs will go aflame with this. That's a guy that is credibility is being reestablished by Creighton driving this point home and then yeah. Creighton admitting that he's asked and, and the same question multiple times and gotten the same answer uh, is all very, very interesting.
1: I know Alex says, hey, I'm admitting to all this stuff. Do we really need to go through all of these financial crimes? And Creighton says something to the effect of, well, yeah, I know you don't want to, but we're going to. I mean, it's a balance. I mean, are you going to keep the jurors interested going through a couple more hours of all of the financial crimes that they've already heard about.
6: So I do think he needs to ask it if nothing else he's saving the state a bunch of time on the on the other criminal trials. And so Fair. Fair if, point. if you can if you can kill the bird right off the bat with with you know, you have you have a criminal defendant who is charged with a bunch of crimes on the stand not asserting his fifth amendment privilege, you're gonna ask all the questions you can. I mean it's just it's 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 the it's it, it's like a buffet of of conviction for the state right now. Like, oh I need a I need a little bit I need a little extra help out of this uh of this embezzlement charge. Oh 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 you, you you embezzled, I did. I don't remember when I did, but I, I know I did, and if you showed me the particulars of it, I admit that I embezzled. Okay. Well moving on, you know, Mr. Murdoch, let me ask you these questions. So the state's the state has to do this and the defense counsel probably knows they have to do it. And if he can continue to keep his cool while all of that is happening. I do, I do think the weight of the state's evidence and the other crimes and his what appears to be honest answers might work, not, not work against him, but could have the jury being like, all right, enough already.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's been brought up a couple of times by the defense team, and Alec, I think, himself says, hey, we've been talking about financial crimes for a couple hours. I think I'm here for the, um, I'm here on murder charges. So now we're having basically a hearing on these financial crimes.
6: Yeah, but he, he needs to shut his mouth on that. You don't, you, 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 chippy and chirpy is not what a defendant gets to be. He yeah. he is charged with murder. And that, that attorney is allowed to ask the questions he's going to ask. And that is why he has two high powered lawyers sitting at that table to make those objections. He, and and play and, and and Waters knows that eventually he's gonna get he he's gonna get snippy. He's gonna he's he might snap and that's and that is why you 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 do the beat down on stuff to see to see you know you, you act incredulous to see if the uh, person being asked questions responds incredulously, and then you re- and then you really get them.
1: Well, he's remained calm thus far, but we'll see what happens tomorrow.
6: The, the jury does not like sarcastic. Um, they they don't like it when witnesses don't take the process seriously.
1: Yeah. Uh, i I can imagine, yeah, and because right now we are on what week five of this trial, so these people have been there sitting there for hours every day, listening to all this, so I think they would probably appreciate everyone else taking it very seriously
6: I, I agree completely,
1: all right, well, John, thank you so much. We appreciate it, as always, it was great. we lost uh Matt, he had to go on court t v so uh. We- he won't be able to say goodbye to you.
6: Well, that's okay. I'm uh, excited to you know, keep keep giving feedback and looking forward to listeners' questions that we can answer over the weekend.
1: Sounds good. We will talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. I guess I'm going to have to do the wrap. Uh, everyone who has come up and talked to me over the last week, I appreciate all of y'all. And if you would like to reach out, you can reach us on our facebook page which is murdoch podcast and we will talk soon
2: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
3: this is your captain speaking
4: uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky
2: play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Listen to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. It's a fun show about weird stuff. New episodes every Wednesday, yeah, eggheads. I'm Art. And I'm Andy. And Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time is a podcast about conspiracies, the paranormal, UFOs, unsolved mysteries. We're going to be discussing the Kennedy assassinations. Oh yeah, that's his nickname, Finger-Banging Bob Lazar. Give me some aliens with some good frickin' spacecraft. The whole enchilada. The only thing bigger than Bigfoot's feet are our egos. If you like simulation theory, ancient history, egghead science, and Mandela effect, that kind of stuff. So check it out new episodes every wednesday all the links you need on Mr. Bunker's conspiracy
0: time.com and we'll see you in the bunker